and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, which is the podcast from the guys at the Guitar Show UK and newly broadbanded up with <laughs> new mesh network and fantastic connectivity. Jason Hunt is looking phenomenal on screen. How are you, Jason? I'm all right, mate. I've got 20 times more bandwidth than I had previously. You, you were bandwidth light, weren't you? <laughs> I was, yes. Yes. Um, that's that's something. It's, it's a story for the other day, but we both got new kind of networky things to allow us to do these evening recordings without glitches, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. We were trying to record a podcast last week with someone that I really wanted to talk to, and um, it wouldn't let me in, would it? Basically, no. no. No, and that to be fair, that's fared a lot better than the new interface I bought and managed to actually put. Uh, I bought this interface, and it's got a, it's got a guitar plugins built in, and I've managed to put a Marshall Plexi plugin on, and I can't switch the damn thing off. So at the start of the recording, all you could hear was my voice coming through a Marshall Plexi, but but we've reverted to Plan B, haven't we? We have. You've got your backup microphone out. I've got my backup microphone out. Anyway, our guest tonight, and we've been gabbering a bit and we can't mention anything to do with what he's drinking or his political allegiances but our guest tonight <laughs> uh is is guitarist and well so many other things we'll just we'll say guitarist and then we'll cover the other stuff because there's so much other stuff that he does that we've just been hearing about uh chris woods how are you chris uh, yeah i'm very well i'm very well thank you thank you for for having me in this Zoom room with you. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. Every single one we've done so far has been leading up to this one. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the feeling in the room right now. Yeah, yeah we've done a lot of practising to get to you. 50-odd episodes, in fact. That they've all been a support for you. They've all <laughs> been a support for you. So how how's your day? How how How's everything going? How's my day? Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been all right. It was a beautiful day, and not that I'm going to talk about the weather for that long but that was well needed that was that sort of that nam feeling you know yes when you uh, get, are you down by the like, coast oh, I, I am actually and and you know it was, it was sun the first bit of sunshine that you've it was really beautiful today and it was that sort of yeah that feeling of arriving in california in the winter pretty special well, of course yes we should have should we should have flown out this coming weekend shouldn't we is that when would, it, would, would it be, be about next now? week? Or maybe it would, next week? It would yeah. be now. It would be now. Yeah, because the, the Believe in Music Week, the virtual thing they've been doing, that's next week. Yeah. So I guess we would have been there next week, which actually prompts the question, are you, are you going in, in June? No, no, not at no. all. Not at all. Yeah, I've barely left the house, really. Um, <laughs> okay. For a long time, for, for two um, years, <laughs> for two years. I, but I did get a little bit of vitamin D today, so that, that's right. about, about it. Yeah. Are we allowed to ask where you are? Yeah, sure, sure. I, I'm in, I'm in Plymouth currently. Ah, okay. Mm, okay, yeah. that's Bowles, isn't it? Some fella on the green, and is that Plymouth? Oh, um, to Francis Drake playing the Bowles. Fella. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that yes. is Plymouth. That is Plymouth. Um, I didn't mean some old bloke just down the way. <laughs> you no, I, I, was, I was. It was a historical reference. It's yeah, yeah. That, that's right. Yeah. So, so currently in Plymouth. Yeah. Cool. Well, we have to say as well because I think this deserves uh, a shout out. You're the you're about the first person who's come on who's not only organised a microphone and headphones to record, but has also organised a backup recording as well. That's so it. This is, it's the most complete one we've ever done. I take pride in my audio. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, oh. it's, it's got it's got to be right. It's got to be right. <laughs> so let's go right back to the beginning, and we'll we'll cover everything that you do because you do do a lot. But let's start with: it, Would it be right to say that that you know, first and foremost, come to pro prominence, and that's because of your guitar playing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. I'd say so. So when did we first pick up a guitar? Uh, probably around eight briefly, but didn't really, um, play it much at all. 
um, didn't have any lessons or anything until I was about 15, 16. And uh, I just went completely mental on it. Partly because I was pretty rubbish at everything else. Even a love for football, but just couldn't, you know, get off the bench on a mm. on a Sunday, even for, for one of trying. And generally in school, really, really struggled as well. And then all of a sudden, I kind of realised that if you lost hours playing the guitar at night, you got better as well. And that was a bit of a switch. And then it just I just didn't stop. It was all of a sudden. There's a similar the- argument about academia as well, but I don't want to trouble you with that. <laughs> oh, trouble, trouble! Get d- dive into that. I'm, I'm, I'm well, no, no. I was just, well. just that if you, you know, the hours you would lose playing the guitar to get better, it, 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 it kind of does work the same for, say, geography or history. Just, just yeah, putting but, it but, out there. But the, <laughs> yeah, but they're not so enjoyable, are they? No, no, no. I'm, I'm not. The- I'm not questioning your life choices at all. <laughs> I'm just, I was, I was just, I was just throwing it out there for a giggle, really. Mm. But I, I, I'm, I'm with you. But yeah, it's the difference. I, th- I think that's the thing. I wasn't prepared to put those hours in to something else. And it's just well, for all of us, isn't it? We lose hours playing the guitar. That's one mm. of the beautiful things about it. It was removing. It's essentially meditation, basically, whether we're that way inclined or not. You just sit there and completely lose yourself. Everything else goes. But then the reward after that is, wow, I just got better at something <laughs> yeah that's a real that's a win-win <laughs> <laughs> so given how sort of um i mean i was going to say uh, unusual your playing technique but it's certainly it's a lot more popular than it was uh, when you're 15 16 i'm assuming you're not going down the the tapping and the thumping of the guitar what what are you playing then yeah so then um Nothing particularly weird by any means. I was listening to like new metal and stuff, really, because that was the sort of age. Um, but I was learning like Apache was a big one. You know, I had a, like a jam with the Shadows book. Um, you know, so and, and guitar magazines. Guitar magazines were a huge thing. So you know, I had you know seven hundred uh, in the style of Jimi Hendrix licks um and that kind of thing so nothing too weird at all um but for me I I discovered John Martin sort of like around like 17 18 and I started maybe emulating that a little bit just the percussive roles and stuff so I'm not like a big how to to say this I'm not hugely percussive focused in the sort of actual hitting of the body Mm -hmm. in comparison to some people I think are just I was playing with percussion in playing if that doesn't sound too contradictory do you know what I mean I was I was mm. I was hearing that that sort of maybe flamenco-y sort of sounds yeah. rather than you know yes because the flamenco is more of a role isn't it rather than a, it's, it's not quite it's more of a yeah. I'm doing it with my hand. I don't know why I'm doing it with my hand. It's a or something but, uh, like that. But John Martin kind of did this like roll the other way. It's like, right. you know, and well, I didn't know that because I couldn't see it, obviously. Um, because, you know, not that video wasn't a thing then, but, you know, the internet wasn't such a, a big thing in that sense. So, yeah, just that sort of per- string percussion, I guess, mm. you know? Mm. John Martin at, at that age, that's quite a... Same, same ridiculous unusual but it's fairly unusual well i guess i guess sort of 17 18 it's kind of um kind of a kind of a hippie thing isn't it i guess Hmm. just sort of yeah getting into that more folksy way of thinking i guess um hmm yeah he was listened to amongst friends yeah right So you've discovered John Martin. There's this weird role thing that you've never that you know is happening, but you've not seen. You're starting to get some kind of tapping the percussive. What happens next? Uh, so, I, so I went to to uni to do uh, music, and uh, just through audition, really, um, because I I wasn't doing particularly well at school in any way, shape, or form, and I started dabbling in well two things specifically Indian classical and jazz 
jazz particular in this like Joe Pass sort of way of mm. playing, which I didn't really like in the sound, but I was like, I kind of feel like I want to know how that happens mm. because I feel I feel like it could give me knowledge to do something. And then the Indian classical thing, so I was just amazed by the sound of it. Um, and I started having one-to-one tuition with a, a jazz teacher, and he introduced me to a chap called Tuck Andress. If um, you've, uh, yeah, he's, no, you, you know him, cool. Well, I mean, this guy. No, no, I have no idea. You've no idea. Okay, <laughs> right. I, I've heard the name, but that, but hence the reason I was nodding. But I don't have. Well, he's pretty cool. I mean, really. I mean, he's an archtop jazz player, but he plays... This is not body percussion, right? Mm. That is very a divisive thing anyway, because half the people listening will probably be going, oh, I hate that stuff. Why don't you get a drum kit? And the other half will be kind of slightly interested. But Tuck Andres doesn't do that at all. He uses string percussion against so lots of slapped and tapped harmonics. Um, he did a Michael Jackson covers album way back. Um, and everything was just delivered with this amazing you know all that groove based stuff was just beautifully played P- pianistic you know just that yeah. wonderful percussion and uh, that really sort of um, and my jazz teacher at the time this chap called James Shipway um, was telling me a little bit about those techniques just a little bit and uh, that sort of mixed up with the John Martin and uh, yeah then it really started to come out actually it just started to naturally come out then flamenco sort of techniques started to throw in. Um, and then I was pretty much writing full-blown compositions um, that really probably weren't any good. Uh, and then YouTube was starting to come up and I got sent the Andy McKee video um, of drifting. And at the time I was, well, to use a sort of a modern term, I think I was a bit triggered really. And I was like, what? Why is he doing that? Why is he doing that? What's the point in that? You know, why don't you get a drum kit? I was, I was, I was angry about it, which is weird. Um, I now think Andy McKee is a genius and a beautiful human being by the seams of things as well. Um, and anyway, and this sort of built, and then I sort of discovered Preston Reed and all that kind of stuff, and um, it grew together. And then I think once I sort of got over myself. I started to assimilate <laughs> some of those ideas as well. Go, oh, maybe, maybe I don't need to be angry. Um, and um, I went to see Preston Reed actually, and uh, yeah, and then started to sort of, I don't know, have some freedom and actually, oh yeah, I can do what I want here. And also having the justification, justification or permission to write a solo instrumental piece of guitar music because somehow especially when you play at a jam night and you play an instrumental acoustic piece um people don't care do you know <laughs> do you know what i mean so actually being able to see these people like Andy McKee or Preston Reed playing a gig on their own of instrumental acoustic music like oh yeah maybe i can do that too so how old were you about this time uh 12 no i was about uh oh my god early 20s early 20s is this after you finished at university yeah yeah definitely definitely so sort of came out of uni and then started doing that and then career-wise it just sort of happened by through uh log jam or logarithm the stomp box guys who I guess you guys know from the guitar show because you reckon they've been there a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, I think that was probably when I first met you at one of one of the many guitar shows I've run in the last twenty odd years. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of, I've been a kind of demo guy for people like them and coming mm. along and getting a slot on the live stage. Is that is that pretty much how you started? You know, yeah, did, man, definitely, definitely. That literally like shape to again that sort of permission to to do that that was part of it because apart from seeing those guys doing it but then there was no opportunity to perform that kind of music seemingly anyway Mm. uh and then myspace days this is i just got Mm. in touch with um uh howard uh logjam about stomp box because i i'd had a um, a mate who was a blues guitarist made me a stomp box in exchange for a bottle of whiskey 
and it was essentially a wooden box and I'd seen that these guys were making these different ones and I got in touch and then he said do you want to come and play at Music Messer and um, I was uh, pretty blown away by that even being a thing I didn't really know what to expect I didn't have any kind of career based on playing really in a professional sense mm. but I had lots of compositions and then all of a sudden well you just start playing and then there was a crowd and it's like ah oh. Oh, that's not what happens in the pub people just ignore me and then I finish and then there's no clapping and then a little part of me dies um, so so I, I, that absolutely was the, the real sort of wow there's this um, world and then that sort of gave me the opportunity to progress and develop I suppose I, I was a demo guy at Frankfurt once um, and it, it I should never be a demo guy for gear because for the start, I can only play my own songs. I can't really play anybody else's. And Best way. Best yeah. Way. And uh, I, I can remember asking about sort of like my back to the aisle way, um, trying to sort out the, you know, the guitar that I was demoing. And uh, I, was, I was playing something ridiculous like... Um, like a Brian Adams song or a Ramon song or something. The, the the non-guitar show kind of widdly stuff. It was a song I was playing. And I turned around and there was like a hundred people staring at me. And I was like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> So um, yeah, that, that was the only time I ever did that. And uh, I won't be doing it again. <laughs> so you... you um. So you, you start doing like guitar show, you start travelling all over the world, I assume. I assume you've done NAM as well, have you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I suppose at the same time you're trying to get your own music career off the ground? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But then that's all, it's just sort of happened simultaneously, mm. I suppose, at the same time. And opportunities are sort of coming through those shows. And actually... Um, I've always feel slightly uncomfortable with this term, but the fan base grew, actually specifically very much grew from there as well um, because it's, you know, perfect audience, really. Hmm. So uh, where, you end up touring the UK quite a bit. Uh, where, yeah. What what kind of clubs are you playing at? Because I'm assuming they're not the kind of clubs that I played they're at. Qu- they're quite small, Jason. They're quite... <laughs> uh, oh, they're, de- they're definitely not the same kind of clubs I played at. <laughs> <laughs> are they kind of like folk clubs or, or something like that i mean is it is it a different circuit to the toilet circuit that i slept around on and i think ant did as well uh yeah man i think i think the reality is that there's not a there's not an instrumental guitar circuit uh really outside of if you like the guitar world so you end up sort of blending into different places. Um, and yeah, folk clubs can work in that way. Um, but I think really it's... Well, actually house concerts were always quite a beautiful thing to do. But that's a side that's not really a, um, necessarily that there's a, a specific scene for guitar music in that way. But really you find yourself in quite a lot of mixed situations from quite I've done gigs that can be like supporting quite a heavy band which can work quite well really um there's a huge amount of guitar festivals as well <laughs> there really is quite a because I guess the guitar it just like crosses so many genres as well mm. doesn't it um yeah. if we get you know this percussive way of playing tends to get put into this box quite a lot of that is percussive guitar playing but um actually you know if it's just guitar then it really fits into quite a lot of different situations i particularly always found that more in in europe than in the uk anyway they seem to be more sort of open-minded to the idea of this is music rather than well what what two genres do we have to put there you know, mm. um, there's more just... I think the word jazz gets thrown around quite a lot, you know. <laughs> so, oh, that's jazz. This is a jazz gig. And then everyone's completely different, which is, you know, cool for me. 
<laughs> so is this why you ended up starting your own, was it the London Guitar Night? I'm assuming that's quite a long drive from Plymouth. It's a long drive from Plymouth. Uh, well, it hasn't happened from um, since since COVID, sadly. Um, but yeah, that, that was a, a beautiful thing. That happened because I played at the Dublin Guitar Night a couple of times, run by a jazz guitarist called Hugh Buckley, who's a bit of a legend in his own right. And I went along there and it was just beautiful, really. Um, beautiful. There was there was a scene. There was a guitar mm. scene. There were all these, and all different genres as well. Which is interesting because guitarists, obviously, we're, we're funny egos, aren't we, really? So the idea of sort of him being supportive it's almost like a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? Like, but I don't know. <laughs> but it kind of like it worked in that way, and it, it was it was really cool. And they always had like a mix of some real local legends. Um, in Dublin, there are many, um, and people who were touring, like myself, and uh, and that worked really well. So I decided to do that in uh, well the troubadour at the time we ended up moving it in the end to uh to the coal house cafe in in hackney in a nature reserve in north london which is a kind of an interesting one um but yeah that was a really beautiful thing a way of yeah meeting some really cool players and and actually again that way of showing here's a jazz guitarist here's a shred guitarist here's an acoustic guitarist all on the same bill and pe- and people love it because it's like wow it's this the instrument's so ridiculously diverse it's mm. it's kind so, of crazy i was just gonna jump in sorry jace is it there's two things there really interesting one you're right guitarists are as a rule or not as a rule but not naturally supportive <laughs> of another guitarist who stands on the stage and does his thing. You know, there's always that kind of critical thing, isn't it? I mean, the first thing you probably start off thinking is, well, I could do that. Um, but at the same time... Or if time, you can't do it, shutting off completely. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> or just go, oh, it's, what's the point in that? Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's all right, I suppose, if you like that technical way of playing. But um, <laughs> But then the other bit is that at the same time, and this is where it's paradoxical, we are fascinated as guitar players when we come across something that is completely different to the way we naturally play. So when you do see something and you go, you know, so I, I mean, like, I'm not a particular guitar player, and I'm certainly not a very good acoustic player. So when I see somebody do something on acoustic, I'm normally jaw dropping, like, whoa, that's just, you know. Whereas if it's a guy, if it's a guy doing, you know, doing a bit of sort of blues based rock i'll i'll be very quizzical and, you know i'll sit be, i'll be the guy going oh yeah well he didn't get that bend right did he um <laughs> you know and and, and, it, and that is that kind of paradox um but but actually if it is something different and something unusual and something that you have very little knowledge of you are intrigued by it at the same time mm. uh, and i suppose you can almost access it easier can't you if it's yeah. like totally totally alien you can actually almost get behind it a little bit yeah, I don't mm. think we like to be confronted with players playing the way we play better than we are. But I mm. think we really like to be confronted by people doing something different to what we do mm-hmm. because that's really interesting. And it's almost like okay to like that because I can't do that anyway and I'm never going to make an effort to. But, I, but what, I, what I really don't want to do is to see somebody who's just a bit better than me still on stage, mm. if that makes sense, doing the same thing that I do. I totally. Yeah, it makes me sound a horrible human being. That's probably it's why a- I still drink. <laughs> um do you know that you're right though because when i used to run music live and we used to do like clinics at the side so if you'd have like a guitarist on if it wasn't the style the genre of the you know music that the the audience liked you know uh they wouldn't go it but if you put a drummer on that played jazz or latin or whatever the drummers were in there all day Mm. they didn't care who was coming on they just wanted to sit listen and learn from a completely different thing and it was it was really noticeable that the guitar audience churned really quickly and the mm. drum audience churned really slowly because they were just more open to kind of different styles and stuff it's real man it's a real thing it's because the guitars are phallic isn't it it's basically yeah, that's just <laughs> yeah you're probably right that's um mm. yeah <laughs> 
Wow. Well, yes. I, I feel we all probably feel a little bit disappointed in ourselves. Don't we? <laughs> I, I'm getting the impression you're all more disappointed in me than I am in you. But, well, but, yeah. but that's fine because I live with that <laughs> on on a variety of topics. So that's all right. So I suppose the the next thing to talk about really is the um, hang on the online guitar group. Is cool, that man. that's something that you started? because of covid was it yeah yeah 100 percent. so um always well not always in the sort of latter part of um playing i started experimenting with working with on like guitar ensembles and pop-up guitar orchestras and all this kind of thing and i really enjoyed essentially working with groups of guitarists even though we've just basically picked them apart, haven't we? <laughs> Come to the conclusion that all guitarists are, are crazy people, but you know, I, I love that. And uh, I, I, and same as goes for sort of workshops as well. Quite often, my workshops turn into sort of, you know, little mini guitar orchestras, really. But obviously, when COVID hit, that became a physical impossibility, um, and also fund-wise or money-wise. I was completely screwed, like like many, mm. um, and opportunities disappeared completely. In fact, that year was going to be one of the most exciting with um, playing in Russia and um, Germany and Ireland and wherever, you know, all yeah. disappeared. Um, sorry, you didn't ask for the sub story, did you? And it's very irritating when musicians do that as well, isn't it? But oh, um, right. as, as an event organizer, I'm with you all the way. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, it was it was a tough time, but um, and yeah, so it sort of it appeared to be a logical thing to do to to go online, obviously. Um, yeah, and uh, but interested that there was this sort of the the way that the payment worked, I think. It, probably most interesting to what we're talking about there in the COVID sense of things because obviously everything had disappeared and there was a first couple of weeks wasn't there when your whole Facebook stream was basically every single musician you knew doing a live stream mm-hmm. and asking for a donation you know uh, which was a kind of a cool thing but then it, it was it was a bit weird as well because there was this sort of on one hand it's like, oh yeah, as a musician, this is really terrible. But then it's understanding that the diversity of industries that were screwed by that, like say, for example, yourself in events. But then also that sort of level of, well, but then some people, I mean, I was pretty terrified by it actually, because I'm one of those people who get their vaccines a little bit earlier and stuff because yeah, (laughs) I've got some of those underlying things. Um, so I was I was pretty wary as well, and and then it's like well actually some people are still having to go into that situation that I wouldn't actually be comfortable with. So the sort of pay what you want structure came about in that sense. Maybe feeling a little bit uncomfortable, saying please help me out because I knew that actually so many other people were also screwed, or maybe weren't so screwed financially but actually maybe they can't afford to pay what i would normally expect them to do it's like Mm. a leveling Mm. exercise if that makes sense and yeah it's worked great ever since i I think i mean uh, the other podcast one of the other podcasts i work on has got quite a strong um uh, patron uh you know uh, patreon base so it has Mm -hmm. a lot lot of uh, a lot of patrons and I've learned a lot about that through the last couple of years. Um, but one of the things that's become really evident is that people like to have a direct relationship and like to pay, you know, to pay in small amounts um, to something that they, they feel an affinity with. Uh, and actually, I think it's I think we've arrived at a healthy place. I think we've arrived at a point now where it isn't um, it isn't necessarily that you're asking for money in in direct relation to the thing that you're maybe doing there and then it's about saying look this is what i do 
and and these this is the kind of content I'm going to provide and I'm going to provide it anyway but if you like it and you want to make a contribution and help keep it spinning then there's a way for you to do that and it doesn't have to be particularly onerous and it's absolutely down to you yes I'm going to know the people who contribute but nobody else is is, is going to so you can have that kind of relationship with the person who is bringing you whatever it is that you are you are finding you know that that's that has become a part of your life be it a podcast be it music whatever it whatever it might be and i think we've ended up in a in a better place for it um i mean for a couple of reasons one because of the directness of the relationship but two because it's it's not based around say right well i've put six months into recording an album and then you buy the album it's different to that it's about a recognition of a body of a work and it's about a recognition of, a, of an ongoing thing that you do um, and that that is is important and is and is you know and is is the soundtrack in some way shape or form or the accompaniment to somebody else's experience in life so um, because I agree with you at the beginning it was very I mean we started off with a, a lot of content that maybe was was being put up and then people trying to work out how to monetize in, in some way, shape or form. And then we've ended up in something that seems far more organic and far more natural and actually mm. probably far healthier, mm. um, you know, long term. That was, that was all very beautifully put. Um, and that sort of, in this situation as well, it very much is that there is, this will happen if you pay or not. And in fact, giving zero and i think the first pay what you want thing i saw was radiohead and i think you had to pay like a penny or something there was like a minimum floor mm. but this is very much you're not you're not paying for this these are the sessions you're welcome if you'd like to make a if you'd like to support this then that's an option and that sort of changes the concept of value doesn't it because a very um very capitalist friend told me that you know monetary value is based on what people are prepared to pay but you know which sort of works on one level but the idea of just value of things actually has very little to do with what people are prepared to pay doesn't it because just to do with it's just when you do music and when you're sharing that there's just there's just a huge almost almost like you can't put money on it really you know it's just a beautiful <laughs> thing to do so i was more concerned with the logistics of uh, actually playing guitar across zoom i assume you do it over zoom yeah, yeah. and and i also assume you can't hear all the people that are on the zoom call you can only hear you yeah man i mean we start off with a little um, the first few people in, you know, mics are off and, and then basically it builds up until it's a sort of a Zoom cacophony, um, <laughs> which is, is, you know, kind of a beautiful soundscape in itself. And then, uh, yeah, mics go off and then maybe there's a little bit more chit chat, but it's sort of a directed conversation. Oh, you over there, uh, you know, yeah. and, and, then, and then we begin the session and yeah, it's just, just me. Um, but it's great. It's great, right? It's, ne it's never. It's a simulator, so it's of course it's not trying to replace um, the playing together. But as a as a way of learning, it's it's incredible. It's incredible to be able to play along um, with your teacher, if you like, and not have any kind of self conscious element there at all when you're making those mistakes. Mm. Uh, that that is that's a huge huge thing that that confidence thing because we know you know going right back to the beginning when we're talking about losing hours and playing you know on hour three at you know two in the morning and you're soloing to backing tracks or whatever it is that you do for kicks and you really you've reached that godlike state that no one will ever hear because <laughs> you know because and 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 you can get that on Zoom I I really think but also there's this element of because I do it for all abilities and that's something I've always tried to do in music education anyway because I think this idea sometimes of things being just because they're as we get better we do increasingly technical things I don't think is quite correct so I think looking at the most basic thing for the most advanced player is often really good but one thing with this is that because it's on Zoom 
if there is something that isn't really hugely of interest to you, it's all right to just put your guitar down and have a beer. Do you know what I mean? And that, yeah. that's cool. That's really cool. It's okay to be in your car or to be wherever or or maybe you don't want to play guitar that time. You just want to sit there with a cup of tea and enjoy it. So logistically, it actually kind of works really, really well. Sharing screen, um, you know, playing, backing tracks, playing. Or the session on Tuesday, for example, was like a strumming workout. So I had loads of different drum beats and just being able to, you know, bring up my strumming patterns to then feed the drum sound through Zoom, you know, so it's like top notch. It's, it's, it just works. It works really, really well. So it's the you, future. Okay, so <laughs> you, you're going to continue doing this post COVID when we can hang out together again and. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, because it's, we've obviously been through these times, haven't we, where it's like, like normal, if you like. But then in the back of our heads, we're all going, this is not going to go well. And actually, it's it's built up in popularity throughout time. So, so it, I mean, it did... Obviously, there was a, a little boom right at the very start. And then maybe we went down a little bit. And then actually, ever since, what, sort of maybe the, the first summer, which was like 2020? God, yeah. it's crazy, isn't it? Mm. It's just grown and grown and grown and grown. And I think that's because people now are at a place with Zoom, aren't they, where we've realised, well, we've gone from being sick of Zoom to realising, oh, wow, we can, this is great, isn't it? It's far better for so many things, really. Oh, I mean, you know, in terms of just this podcast alone, I mean, we've been able to talk to people in Los Angeles, in Finland, in New York and and stuff like that. Plymouth. Yeah, and Plymouth. Plymouth. And we would never, <laughs> ever have got the opportunity to speak to these people because it would have cost a bloody fortune, mm. you know. So, I, and, and the universality of, of, like, everyone now knows how to jump on a Zoom link. That's the biggie, isn't it? That's the yeah. sort of, you know, because obviously we could have done it before, couldn't we? But COVID made it possible to go, okay, see you on Zoom. And then it's there's no stress. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, in my other job, I've been, I was on a, God, a three-hour Zoom call this morning. Uh, and it it just makes it really easy rather than us all have to get on a train and go and meet somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, just do it in your slippers. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's cool. So, I suppose the, the only other thing I've got written down to talk to you about really was, um, and you mentioned music education just, you've got the music education podcast. Mm. So, and and I listened to um, one and a half episodes of that today while I was doing a bit. What ones did you go for? Well, honestly, because I teach as I don't know if you know this, but I teach as well. I lecture Uh, on music. Well, not on no on event management. Funnily enough, Uh, okay, okay, okay. And I'd done a lecture last year, so the students were in uh, because of COVID one day a week. Right, you can't um, catch COVID on that day, can you? That's well, the... no, but I lectured in a lecture hall that holds <laughs> eighty, and only right. eight at a time were allowed into the room. Wow, jeez! So the rest great, of the chairs would been taken out, and X's were marked where the chairs had to go, and I was stood three meters away from the students, and it's masks on as you walk into the room, and there's, you know, uh, air conditioning unit that fortunately was very new, so it was the right one that sucked in fresh air and stuff like that so but wow. we'd we'd had um sorry sorry jess i'm gonna to have to ask i have to interrupt i do apologize <laughs> had you been praying for those 72 chairs to be taken out for quite a while <laughs> yeah because <laughs> no. i can't believe you ever got 80 in a room no i mean the most i've ever le- lectured to <laughs> is about 90 is it right, okay. yeah right, but okay. uh, but i had the lecture that no lecturer really wants to talk about i think you touched on it in the podcast i had to do a lecture that was kind of racism within the music industry oh wow yeah yeah okay and i've never been so fucking terrified in my life of saying the wrong thing Mm. bearing in mind Mm. i'm a white middle-aged bloke yeah and and it was utterly fascinating and brilliant uh, and in fact, so much so 
that it lasted three hours in the lecture hall and then another hour in the car park mm. afterwards. Nice. And so when I, I saw two episodes ago, I think, of the latest sort of like, I think episode 28 or something, because you're on episode 30, um, was a discussion about race within music. And I was like, oh, that's the one I'll listen to, mm. um, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's just a really wonderful subject. And, and actually, the first episode that we did of that was on decolonizing the curriculum. Um, yes, yeah, kind of a, a favorite one. Uh, but it is a scary one. It's proper scary to start talking about that stuff as you know as a white bloke sat there um you know it's um um in fact the first episode we did was with uh, a, a really fascinating chap who I've just done another episode with called Nate Holder who wrote a poem called if I were a racist or if I were a racist however you would word that and it sort of lists very common things that happen in music education like if I were a racist, I would teach African drumming because Africa, of course, is a country, not a continent, that kind of, and it just goes yeah. through all these things. Mm. But what's fantastically awkward and terrifying about it is that, you know, you're sort of, you've been that person, if you like, you know, throughout the poem. And that's why we feel sort of awkward. But it's really interesting in music, Ed, because it's just, it's just, it is, it is there, basically. It is sort of, yeah, we've I- come from a colonializing or imperialist sort of way of being there's no denying it but it's just very uncomfortable because everything we know was kind of built on it if you like yeah i mean what was really nice is um, three of the black lads emailed me afterwards and went my god that was like the best lecture we've ever had because we now understand that actually it's not what we thought because it was I mean, they suffer from like this post-colonial kind of thought process as well because they've had that rammed down their throats. Mm. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's all been fed to everyone. Oh, like, oh, oh, we, we can make it better, mm. but we just have to have a four-hour honest conversation of not upsetting anybody. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it takes some epic... Epic balls, basically. I was knackered. Ha- even have the knackered at the end of it. <laughs> So, so tell us about the podcast then. How did that come about? Um, well, just similarly, I guess, COVID scenario of what I work a lot with a very, very good music hub um, called Soundstall. Who, so for those who don't know, music hubs are like more music services, really, the people who put music provision into schools. And Soundstorm are really quite forward thinking. Now, even in supporting this conversation because that actual theme of decolonizing comes through quite a lot uh, and they fund it uh, and they help sort of curate it as well in that sense too and um, yeah it's been pretty amazing because education music ed has always been a part of what I do anyway um, so we've had some really powerful conversations which informs the playing man I mean it's just it's just the music isn't it it's all sort of like the instruments, the education, the playing, it's all just one big thing all put together, really. I love the fact that you started off telling us what a terrible student you were. And then we talked about you going to university and now we're talking to you working with education providers. Yeah, (laughs) man. I can't spell. I barely can spell. And I've, I've, you know, I've I've written three books with Hal Leonard. Um, I mean, on guitar playing. They're not novels. Uh, but, but, you know... It's nice. It's cool to do that, isn't it? It's great to, because uh, you know, school in that sense doesn't really. It's not really that relevant, is it? <laughs> well, it is to spelling. <laughs> it is, well, spelling isn't that relevant, I guess. I'm going to throw that one out there. Maybe we can chat about that. Uh, I, I don't know because when I'm marking essays and I go, I know you've written this in Word, and Word tells you when you've spelt it wrong, and yet you've still spelt it wrong. Uh, right, might, you've actually overridden be... word and said, <laughs> "Yeah, <laughs> that's cool, man. That's rebellion. That's yes, spelling say, rebellion. That is. Um, that's a whole movement. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. We shouldn't. We shouldn't push that back. I'm with. I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jack, my my son writes comics, and um, oh, wow. And he, I mean, he's only nine, 
um, and he and he does these comics and what have you. And and I'll come and I'll say, well, you you know how to spell that, and he says, yes, I know how to spell that, but I'm spelling it the way I want to spell it because yeah. it fits with the comic. Yeah. Uh, where do you go with that? That's oh. cool. That's cool. I, I, it's, it's one of my. Uh, I think it relates to playing guitar in the right or wrong way. Mm. It's like you know, you just just do your thing. You don't have to listen to the man. It's 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 really it's you know, no, no. At the end of the day, you know, if if when people get upset with spelling, it's it's their problem, not yours. <laughs> Jason, I feel like you're holding back. Well, I just, just I mark degree papers you know there is a certain academic framework that has to be I, adhered to i'm i don't know if i agree and, <laughs> and 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 the only problem i was just about to say the only problem is that with with my son is that because if he's so convinced of the logic logic of say that around spelling is he's equally convinced about the logic because we couldn't get him to write a christmas list this year and his argumentation for not writing a Christmas list was, I don't need to because Father Christmas knows what I want. <laughs> nice. Uh, and you can't pick a hole in that. That makes for a That's scary nice. bit of parenting just in the run up <laughs> to the 25th. That's the air. Wow. Wow. It's really cool that he's directly interfacing with Santa. He's directly <laughs> interfacing with Santa. Yeah. Just, what a legend. Just, he's DMing Santa, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you will perpetuate these myths and fairy tales, he's nine. He knows. Oh, good grief! <laughs> Blooming neck. All right, Ebenezer. that's a conversation, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, it's a conversation I've had to have with both of my children. And, and gone, how old are they now? They're now six and of, six and four. <laughs> eighteen and fourteen, and they were well, both fair play. They were both like, yeah, we knew for years. <laughs> but that that's the cool thing, though, isn't it? That's, it's the playing. It's basically, it, I, well, I've come to realise this because I have a son now, and it's just like, yeah, we're just playing a game. We're all playing a game. I think that's great. How old's the son? Two and a half. Terrible Proper, this, this, yeah, There is a bit of that. But this Christmas was pretty magic, actually. You know, yeah. that He was really, he got who Santa was. Yeah. Oh, you've got no, two or was... three killers coming up. Absolute killers. The next two or three are brilliant. It's, yeah, it's, it's cool, isn't it? Yeah, because it's all about big stuff now. It's about presents that are the same size as your child. Because everything <laughs> gets smaller then. They get now smaller. Now it's about I've... big stuff. And nobody's sending you links to them. They get smaller and more expensive. <laughs> oh, do you know what? My 18-year-old, she's nearly 19. So my 18-year-old had for Christmas... Some rent money towards next year's university accommodation. Wow. <laughs> that was her request. And obviously, we bought her other presents as well. But well she was, was she directly interfacing with Santa there to, to uh, get no, that? Directly interfacing with my wife. <laughs> right, right, fair. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, that's when, that's when the, the Christmas joy goes, isn't it? When it's just all about, you know, staying warm and dry. <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> Welcome to adulthood. <laughs> uh, Chris, it's been a pleasure. It's been lovely, a lovely chat. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed this evening. Um, yeah. uh, though I'm going to go and I'm going to go and get, you know, quietly damp after this. <laughs> um, quietly damp. Quietly damp. Yeah, I go and sit in a corner and get quietly damp. But no, it's been it's been re- it's been really great. And thank you very much. And um, thank you very much. Um, will you. will we see you at the guitar show in in uh, in May? Uh, that would be cool, wouldn't it? I should I should I should make my way up um, mm. and do that. Do that. I hadn't even really, as I said, you know, I only left my house for the first time in a couple of years today. Anyway, because the sun <laughs> came out, so uh, maybe my next stop will be there. Brilliant. Thank you so much, gents. Cheers, mate. And just before we go, we need to say thank you to those beautiful people at Folks Right for uh, sponsoring the podcast, as they continue to do. Um, and uh, I've nothing more to add to that, unless you have, Jason. No, no, just thanks to Luke and Rich, really, for um, continually supporting us. Yeah, they are wonderful people, aren't they? They are. Wonderful, wonderful people. Um, do you want to, as well, before we go, do you want to, should we tease a little? Oh, we could do. 
Um, because we're due to we we we've got a, an interview with somebody stateside next week, haven't we? Yes, New York City. The last time I saw this person on stage, I ended up with a black eye because I was quite literally caught in a mosh. Oh right, okay. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think that's where you were going. <laughs> I thought it was Dolly Parton. <laughs> I'd love to interview Dolly Parton. I mean, so would I. Oh, seriously, so oh, yeah. she's done all that great work with, with books and kids and she does some fantastic stuff, apart from, obviously, you know, and singing and Alan's in the stream. And her, her podcast is in the top ten podcasts of all time every week. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, it's not Dolly Parton, though, is no. it? No. No. Right, okay. <laughs> Who is it? It's Frank Bellow from Anthrax. Oh, dear. Frank Bello from Anthrax on 9 to 42. I know, I'm quite excited. I'm halfway through his autobiography now. I'll have it finished by uh, Wednesday night when we're recording. And it's a late one, isn't it? It is a late one. Uh, half nine, UK time. Half nine, yeah. Oh, I'm quite excited. I'm, I can't tell you I'm really an Anthrax fan, um, but I am quite excited because this is proper, like when I was a growing up legendary band mm. territory. Yeah, I know they were so much fun as well, and his um, his autobiography is fascinating. Right, I shall dip into it. Yes, before Wednesday. Yeah, cool. Right, you take care. I will. I will see you for Frank. And uh, thanks everybody for listening. And yeah, we'll we'll be back with you with with Frank Bellow of Anthrax. All right, see you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. Hold up. 